Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's Attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. ChicagoVotes.com. Tell you what, Illinois could use a new governor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie. Donnie's Mr. got a President. Minute, <laughs> I tell you what, Illinois can use a new governor. Hey! Cheese <laughs> heads for Donnie. What's going on, everybody? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, October 21st is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right. Well, the live stream chat is early and they are on and popping today. Uh, you got two song requests here. We're going to go with Jim's request today because I uh, I want to hear you sing this as well. I'm warming up. <laughs> it's an interesting warm up technique you have there. <laughs> Your song of the day comes from Jim. It's the Ohio Players in Love Roller Coaster. Oh, roller coaster, do 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 do, roller coaster, do 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 do. That's like the. The Ben Jarowski show starts now. It is Wednesday, October twenty first. And yeah, still live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host... Oh, there's the brown line. <laughs> All right on time. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Let Him Eat Cake Wednesday. And here's why. Oh, I love breaking cake. News. <laughs> breaking news, D. That's the news breaking. Stimulus negotiations have broken down. All right, Mitch McConnell. 
told Republican senators not to expect a deal before the election. He made those comments in a private meeting, a private lunch meeting he had with the Republican senators, the members of his caucus, where they served cocoa vet. Actually, do not know what they served, just like saying cocoa vet. <laughs> Whoa, breaking news. Holy cow. The news. This news is actually not really breaking. I just felt like saying breaking news. Here's re- literally breaking news, if I may interrupt this. This literally just popped up on my uh, internet from the New York Times. Around Atlanta, many white suburbanites are sticking with Trump. In Georgia, President Trump's law and order message resonates among voters who fear defunding the police should Democrats take the White House. What a bunch of bogus BS from those white suburbanites in suburban Georgia. They didn't need any special motivation to vote for Donnie. They were mega hat wearers anyway. That's what's funny about voters, man. You guys are as insincere as the politicians you always criticize. You always have to come up with a special reason. So you're a mega hat wearer in the suburbs. You like the tax break that Donnie gave you, and you hate black people. But you have to have, that's not good enough. You have to have a reason. So you're like, hmm, well, I'm a you know, very astute voter, and I've been studying the issues. And they don't like to defund police movement, even though Joey Biden has set up and down. He's not going to defund the police. Well, I heard an alderman on the Ben Jarofsky show named Carlos Ramirez Rosa say he believes in defunding the police. And he's a Democrat or Democratic Socialist. Ergo, they're all going to defund the police. Sorry, Dan. I just had to go on that tangent. Carlos, it's all your fault. It's all your fault that those suburban voters uh, outside of Atlanta are ditching Joey B for Donnie because you said defund the police. Come on, it's man. Absurd. It's absurd. Just saying it's absurd. Come on, MAGA. Just admit it. You love Donald Trump. You love tax breaks and you hate black people. There we go. Sorry, D. Where was I? Oh, yes. Donald Trump. Uh, excuse me. Mitch McConnell made these uh, comments uh, to the members of his Republican caucus. He told them that don't expect a stimulus deal, no matter what bad, sorry shape the economy is in until after the November elections. Too much at stake. Number one, they're big. The big focus for Republican senators is to approve to approve Amy Coney Barrett. So somehow or other, you can't do two things at once. You know, if you're going to have one vote in Amy Coney Barrett, you can't have the second vote in the stimulus. Now, I don't know. Maybe cut a deal. Maybe you say, all right, Democrats, let us get our Amy Coney Barrett and we'll give you a stimulus relief for millions and millions and millions of Americans who are suffering, who are losing their jobs, who don't know how they're going to pay their bills. You know, like cut a deal. Nope. They got to have it both. And they figured out somehow or other you can have one vote, but you can't have two votes. Meanwhile, Steve Mnuchin says, well, we're so close. Mnuchin's is Trump Treasury Director. He's negotiating with Nancy Pelosi, who's the leader of the House Democrats. So he somehow or other has to convince the larger public that Donald Trump really cares, really cares about uh, Americans who are in peril. So, yeah, I'm negotiating with Pelosi, even though McConnell says no deal will be uh, cut. And Donald Trump's, what's Donald Trump's reaction? Well, he's up in Wisconsin saying things like, and I quote, it's not a literal quote, but it's more or less the same. What do you say, D? But you play that thing again. I'm looking for it. Hold on. Uh, Boy, a little uh, pre-show prep. What a, <laughs> a little bit nice there. I mean, come just... on. There we go. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> this wasn't what I was thinking of, but that, that'll do. Anyway, that's Donald Trump in Wisconsin. So it's like... The whole world's breaking down and Donald Trump's going to Wisconsin and railing about J.B. Pritzker and fighting with Leslie Stahl. 
Not very coherent right now. Not much leadership from Donald Trump. Tell you what. Oh, here we go. Illinois could use a new governor. (laughs) That's what's on his mind. (laughs) Donnie. Man, it's, it's like reality isn't reality anymore, you know? And I don't know if it's the steroids Donald Trump has taken for the COVID or it's just his general state of mind as he contemplates losing the election and realizes the only people who are staying by him are those suburban voters in Atlanta who somehow or other figure that Carlos Ramirez Rosa speaks for the entire Democratic Party. But the president is sounding even more unstable than usual. At this point, let me reflect on the great difference between 2008 and 2020. In each case, the country faced a major economic meltdown. In each case, there was a presidential election on the horizon. But back then, Republicans John McCain, the presidential nominee, and Baby Bush, the president at the time, at least pretended that they were looking out for the American people. Not even pretend. It's called politics. MAGA will vote for Trump no matter what what he does, says, or disregards. In this case, he's disregarding the meltdown of the economy. Example, in point, restaurant industry, just going down the tubes every day. I just got off the phone, D, with uh, somebody in the uh, advertising business, let's put it that way. Hmm. Restaurants are really suffering uh, in the the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. And the collateral damage affects my own beloved reader. We're really suffering. Everybody is hammered by this pandemic. But the Republican leaders, they see nothing, they hear nothing, they know nothing, and they're convinced that they could win an electoral college victory thanks to MAGA's cult-like adoration to Donald Trump, and it doesn't matter what they do. doesn't matter how many Dem- Americans are hit hard. Donnie's hope is to win a MAGA electoral college victory by saying insane things about Joe Biden and J.B. Pritzker and picking fights with Leslie Stahl. And Republican senators have decided that they have to more to lose and gain by voting for a stimulus. They figure they can run as deficit hawks even though they drove up the deficit with tax cuts. They'll vote for handouts to farmers, that's their favorite group, but they'll let the rest of the government tank. It's all pledge allegiance to Trump and hope they win with a MAGA victory. It's madness, folks. It's particularly disheartening when 2008, the days of Bush in the White House, look like the good old days. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson is will be here. Monroe Anderson ready to tell it like it is about Donnie Trump and Ray Lowe will be making a return. Raymond Lopez, one of my favorite aldermen, alderman of the 15th Ward. Why do I like him so much? Because he loves coming on the show and debating with me. He's going to be talking about the mayor's budget. He's got a lot to say, I'm sure. That'll be the afternoon drop, right, D? Right. It'll be available at 7 p.m. at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, Alderman Ray Lopez. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. <laughs> Don't say anything bad about Alderman Raymond Lopez D. He'll be here at about <laughs> 7 o'clock. We'll be dropping that. Anyway, before we get to that, the young man from Alton, the man that Ray Lowe, Monroe Anderson, and Carlos Ramirez Rosa all finally call Dr. D. You know what? There's a good chance that all three of those people have actually called me Dr. D. <laughs> For the first time, that may have been true, that intro. A lot of people call you Dr. D, and then it happens all the time. Uh, Say hi to Dr. D. Never Dennis. No. Dr. D, or Dr. Doobie, or White Lightning. Who called you White Lightning the other day? Doris Davenport. Doris, that's right. <laughs> she calls you White Lightning. It's Dennis, guys. 
Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And we begin with the big news out of Chicago. And over the course of this very tough year, we have been on the ropes and the referee has started the 10 count a couple of times. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood, we have gotten back up, legs stronger, steely focus and resolve to fight on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot just gave her 2021 Chicago budget address. In the words of the Nielsen CEO, quote, Chicago is a really good place to have a corporate headquarters, end quote. And we agree. More audio where that came from, buddy. All right. And oh, hey, Brown Line, what's happening? <laughs> In fact, here are seven things that we learned from Mayor Lightfoot's 2021 budget address. Ben, take notes and weigh in here. Let's begin. Number one. And in presenting our balanced 2021 budget, this budget projects $262.6 million in improved fiscal management. This category of savings includes additional parking meters, better management of accounts receivable, enhanced enforcement of certain fees, and loss of collection savings. As for efficiencies, we expect a total of $168.3 million flowing from non-personnel savings, a new renegotiated health care contract, and a contractual audit and review process. Through auditing work already in process, we have determined that the city literally has hundreds of contracts that are 10 years old or older. Some date back to the 1990s. In many instances, no one in recent memory has asked basic questions like, do we still need these contracts? Are we getting the best price? Or can we get a better deal by rebidding? These are literally hundreds of dollars in contracts locked up in what has effectively become hundreds of de facto sole source contracts in perpetuity, which also <laughs> means that we are denying business opportunities to potential small, minority, and women-owned businesses. Uh, I'm sorry. I've... I, I, <laughs> dude, we got to play that for Raylo. I mean, I didn't uh, hear any we, jokes in there. Why are you laughing? No, because... <laughs> Oh, my God, folks, I've been doing this a long, long time. I just love when mayors go in perpetuity. Whoa, that's a great phrase in perpetuity. That's like fiduciary management, sound fiduciary management. Whenever I hear like fiduciary, I'm like, oh, what a scholarly approach to the budget. They're looking out for us. Oh, be, be happy, Chicago. Chicago is everywhere. Listen to the budget speech. They're gathering around the radio. It's like 1937, and they're listening to FDR. Let's see what Mayor Lori Lightfoot has to say. In perpetuity. Oh, well, sounds good to me. I'm a Chicagoan. <laughs> I'm laughing, D, because I've heard every mayor. Well, I, you know, the great Harold Washington didn't do this. But uh, it will be. I think Eugene Sawyer may have uh, done this, and Daly did it. Oh my God! Every every year, unbelievable, folks. <laughs> now I find myself channeling Donald Trump because there is a bit of a con man or a con woman in this case. Whenever they talk about, we've discovered these fiduciary savings. We brought in a marvelous staff of auditors, people who are absolutely brilliant at analyzing a budget, and they've scrutinized this budget in ways that budget has never been scrutinized before. They took the budget and they held it upside down, and then they put a vacuum cleaner over. And the vacuum cleaner drew out things that we hadn't seen before, like 
buckets of money. They've been under a table. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm waiting for the day I find buckets of money <laughs> under a table. Our auditors found money under a table, people. Do we have good auditors or what? Oh, and the Chicagoans everywhere are listening around the radio going, oh, thank God for those auditors. They're brilliant. They're geniuses because I believe whatever my mayor tells me. I've heard every mayor like we have the most astute, the most ingenious, the most brilliant, hardworking, roll up their sleeves, accountants working diligently into the late hours studying this budget. We take the budget, we turn it upside down, then we turn it to the left, then we turn it to the right, and we find all these great savings. You're welcome, Chicago. <laughs> this is called a punt. <laughs> I'm taking the football and I'm punting it in the hopes that money that we don't have now will come in later. Meanwhile, well, we've just found amazing savings and these contracts. Let's do a riff on contracts. Oh man, we've only we're only one clip in, guys. We got a lot more to go. Kyle on the live stream chat says additional parking meters additional parking meters for what and then he says uh, that private company that owns all of our parking spaces for the next 60 plus years. Oh, yeah, that great idea that a mayor gave us. Here, I got a great idea, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm going to do is take an asset worth ten billion dollars and send it sell it for a billion. And you, the peasants of Chicago, we got whoa, a billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Whoa. And where did she get Barney Ross? I got to <laughs> give her credit. Barney Ross, he fought in like the twenties. A scrappy little fighter from west side of Chicago, Maxwell Street, Barney Ross. I believe his real name was Rosowski. And over the course of this very tough year, we have been on the ropes, and a referee has started the 10 count a couple of times. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood, we have gotten back up, legs stronger, steely focus, and resolve to fight on. Why didn't she, uh, hey, I got another boxer she could have used, like Rod Blagojevich, who fought Golden Gloves back in the 70s. Everybody loves Blago these days. Willie Wilson cut a deal with him. Wouldn't that be something? If in her speech she got mixed up, instead of saying Barney Ross, she said, like Rod Blago Blagojevich, a feisty little kid out of the Northwest side who fought Golden Gloves in the mid-70s. Oh, my God. Great boxers from Chicago. She came up with Barney Ross. I got to give her credit. Tony Zale. What about Tony Zale? He's actually from Gary, D, but good point. He worked for years for the Chicago Park District. She could have said, like, Tony Zale. All right, so that was our first takeaway from uh, the 2021 budget address. Moving on. Number two. Another important but painful choice that Mm. we present in this budget is personnel reductions. Mm. I told you many times over these last weeks that everything had to be on the table. And I have struggled personally with the prospect of layoffs. And to minimize layoffs, we have leaned heavily on eliminating vacancies. Across all funds, we have reduced over 1,800 vacancies. All departments, including police and fire, gave something. This budget we are presenting today also contains layoffs of approximately 350 positions. And while we can't do nothing, hoping for an election forecast different, to be different, better days ahead, this budget assumes that no layoff notices will be issued until next year, and any layoffs won't be effective until March 1. This schedule will allow us to see if there is any new federal stimulus on the horizon. And we will Mm -hmm. continue to advocate vociferously for such a stimulus. 
This economic downturn has had a bipartisan impact, and there must be a bipartisan solution. So Congress, do your job. All right. So much to unpack there. But that was her acknowledging the punt. Remember I said, oh, they're putting, they're saying, well, meanwhile, we, incredible savings. We found a lot of quarters underneath the sofa. Oh, I'm waiting for the day I find a bunch of quarters underneath the sofa. We found so many quarters, we're able to hire one police officer who will patrol the downtown area. You're welcome, Chicago. In addition to that, exaggerating the fiduciary wizardry of their, of her aides and advisors, she's acknowledging that much is contingent on getting money from the feds and that uh, if she doesn't get money from the feds, she's going to have to uh, force city workers to take layoffs, force them to take furloughs, force raise up, raise their health care costs, et cetera, and so forth. Probably have to do a lot of that anyway. But a lot of most of this budget will be paid for uh, with money coming in from the feds. And right now it doesn't look like, as I just said, there will be money coming in from the feds because the Republican Party has decided that it's not in their best political interest uh, to send money to cities like Chicago. Donald Trump does not care about Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, any city in a state that's blue. In fact, he doesn't, you figure he'd care about Philadelphia because he would need the votes of Philadelphia to win a swing state. But no, he's decided that the way to get win re-election is to turn MAGA against everybody who's not in MAGA land. That's how Donald Trump is administrating. So when Lori Lightfoot says, I'm appealing to bipartisan support, what bipartisan support is there out, is out there? And now Lori's pulled her punch in the fair tax. Lori has said, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, I should say Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot has said many times we cannot tax wealthy people. If that is not an olive branch to well-to-do Republicans, I don't know what is. Where are they in return? Where, where's Kenny Griffin? Where's Republican Kenny Griffin, who's funding the uh, no fair tax uh, initiative? Where's he to join forces with uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and say, Republicans, you got to help Chicago. It's falling apart. Where's Bruce Rauner to help? Where's Jim Durkin to help? Where's any responsible, legitimate Republican? Nowhere. There's no bipartisan support. This is a myth. So this notion that we're going to get aid from this particular Senate controlled by Mitch McConnell, and this particular White House controlled by Donald Trump is illusionary. So what she's really hoping for is the Democrats to win uh, in November, win the White House and win the Senate. Otherwise, no hope for Chicago and no help whatsoever from Chicago's civic community that's lined up against the fair tax, from Chicago's corporate community that's lined up against the fair tax, or from the big donors of the Republican Party. It's like let them in cake, let them fall into the Chicago River, let it just float away. That's their attitude towards the city of Chicago. So Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I understand what you're doing. You're trying to appeal to the good, the good consciousness of Republican voters who all supported you, by the way, you won the Gold Coast huge and you probably win it huge next time around. But the notion that they're actually gonna help you, that's an illusion. All right. On to our third takeaway from Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's 2021 budget address. Number three. In addition to vacancies and layoffs, we are also seeking five furlough days from all non-union workers. And I will lead by example and take those five furlough days myself. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's nice. 
you know, lead by example, take the five for a little days. Of course, she's got a lot more money at her disposal than average city worker, you know, right, D? So she probably, I don't know, should take 20 for a low days because, you know, she's a millionaire. She's got a lot of money. She's a very successful corporate lawyer. Did you know that, D? No, yeah, 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 I guess you did know that. So I don't know. I, uh, but it's nice that she's, you know, showing that she empathizes with city workers. But I don't know. Five days for Mayor Lori Lightfoot is about, would you say 20 days? 20 days, D? Something like that. Yeah, so that's how it goes, all right? Wait, I'm, I'm emailing Dan, Dan, Dan Biss right now. It involves numbers. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, I got a response. Yeah, 20 days. 20 days. 20 days. <laughs> well, that's fast math. He's yeah, well, fa- And a fast uh, response. Yeah, I want you to play around. Moving. Oh, it's Dr. D. Oh, I'll respond to him right now. He's probably driving a car and texting as he goes. Moving on. Number four. I have been very clear that I do not support defunding the police. And while this term means different things to different people, in this moment, in Chicago, we cannot responsibly enact any policies that make communities less safe. Yes, agreed that the police cannot be the first and only responders on every call uh, for help from our residents. That is precisely why in 2021, we will launch a pilot program born of real research from subject matter experts that looks at a co-responder model and starts the process of building the infrastructure for alternative means of response. But to be clear, this is hard work and it must be tested and built over time. There are no magic wands to wave, no snapping of fingers or catchy slogans, and whatever course we take must be tested on the streets of Chicago and must be built to address our urban realities. I also reject the false narrative that it either fund the police or fund communities. We must and can do both. Well, I don't know how you can do either right now. We're so damn broke. By the way, no magic wands to wave for this, but there's magic wands to wave for the amazing fiduciary budget savings that our incredible team of accountants found by reviewing the contracts. It's funny how they, right now, Mayor Rob's kicking himself. Why didn't I think of that contract thing? What a great gimmick. We found hundreds and hundreds of contracts. They were sitting under my desk. By the way, D, I have a confession to make. What? I've been holding back on you in this one. Okay, so uh, for the longest time, for the first part of the pandemic, uh, Dr. D, uh, otherwise known as D, Dennis, and White Lightning. uh, D-Nice as well. Remember that. Oh, yeah, D-Nice. Who came up with that? That was a good one, D-Nice. Troy LaRavia. Who will be a guest next week, by the way. Cut a deal with him. So uh, he would come over to my house, and because of the result, I would clean things up. (laughs) Dennis... Honey, can't do anything. Dennis is coming over. Hello. Have to clean up. That's the vacuum cleaner. Putting stuff away. Well, since you stopped coming here, D, the place looks horrible. I got piles of paper. Mm. Haven't vacuumed in a while. I got to get my act together, D. Oh, God. I'm like, pretty soon I'll be day drinking. Oh, good. My bathrobe. Anyway, where was I? Oh, she weighs magic wand and found the money. That's what got me going about that. Uh, yeah, what was else I was gonna say about that one? I can't remember. D. Oh boy, great, great, great podcasting here. Oh, I can't remember. 
Let's just move on to our fifth takeaway from Lori Lightfoot's 2021 budget address. Uh, Number five. We propose taking a modest amount from our rainy day fund. Oh, the the rainy day fund. 30 million. (laughs) And to be clear, folks, we are not experiencing merely a rainy day. Uh It is truly a rainy season. And therefore, we must continue to be prudent and cautious. This virus is very unpredictable. And we can ill afford to materially deplete our reserves now, particularly when it is far from clear that the folks in Washington, D.C. will ever be able to rise above their partisan divide. Okay. Why are you blaming? See, that's that mayor's stuff, the partisan divide. Is that the Democrats' fault? Nancy Pelosi's working around the clock trying to cut a deal. The Republicans are split. You got Mnuchin, you got Trump, you got McConnell. So I don't, you know, they're partisan divide. That's like, that's typical Chicago mayor talk. Ron would do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm for the, I'm mayor for all the people, Republicans, Democrats. That's an Obama talk. Well, you know, the left says this, the right says that. No, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you know what the deal is. You got to elect Joe Biden and take over the Senate, or you're in a lot of trouble if you're thinking you're going to get federal assistance from Donnie Trump, who hates Chicago and is running against Chicago. Oh, by the way, I know what I remember what I was going to say there before it is. I went on that tangent. It came back. <laughs> Defund the police. Hey, Atlanta. Hey, suburban Atlanta. Did you hear that? Do you hear Mayor Lori Lightfoot, mayor of the city of Chicago, elected with 75% of the vote, including, yes, I voted for her. Jay Marie, I'm sorry. Anyway, 75% of the vote she got. She's not in favor of defunding the police. So therefore, suburban Atlanta, white people in the suburbs of Atlanta, there's no reason for you not to vote for Joey B. Right? That's just some talking point that Donnie Trump came in to justify you vote for him anyway. You're going to vote for him anyway, so I mean, whatever. Just say you're going to vote for him. But anyway, I, I just had to point that out. The um, She made it clear she's against defunding the police. Somehow or other, it won't matter though. I, I'm sure the next speech that Donald Trump gives, wherever he gives it, you know, if it's anywhere in the vicinity of Chicago, they wanted to fund the police. That's a terrible Donald Trump imitation. Yeah, I got to work on my Donald Trump imitation. Yeah, come on, man. It's not that hard, you know? When you're doing the yelling version, sound like Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. And uh, oh. you're on your own on the other. Uh, 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 that's the other one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, defund the police. Uh, Dr. D, I like him. On to 2021 budget takeaway number six. Number six. We propose making a $7 million investment in our ongoing economic recovery efforts in line with the recommendations of our economic recovery task force, the first comprehensive recovery plan published by an American city. We propose making an additional $1.7 million investment to support our youth programs on top of the 2020 programs already funded. We will continue to make a $10 million investment in funding for housing and homelessness prevention. And meanwhile, there is also an additional $52 million in 2021 CARES Act funding that will go towards housing assistance and homelessness prevention and support. 
Well, that's not a heck of a lot of money. I mean, I know what she's doing. She's breaking down every every item. <laughs> They're trying to make a big deal about that $1.7 for the youth with training program, I think it was, she said. But that, like, $1.7 which is a lot of money, okay? That's about what Dennis makes a year from uh, doing this show. Uh, <laughs> a little over under him. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. I couldn't say that with a straight face. Uh <laughs> That's, I mean, it's a lot of money for you and me, but in terms of Chicago's budget, it's like nothing. So, but you know, she's got to make it seem like it's not just all cuts. Just make it seem as like we're really concentrating on core needs that the city had. This is another. D- Daly was the master. Of I mean, it's like, D, mayors come and go, but budget speeches pretty much stay the same. Well, we're making a lot of cuts. This is a tough year. We're make, but we're making sure that the safety net still exists. So we're going to give the $1.7 million for youth training, which is really like a nickel per kid in the city of Chicago. Hey, don't spend it all at one time. All right, kid, just put some of it aside for the rainy day. The the rainy day fund. I didn't even know we had a rainy day fund. We had a rainy day fund? I didn't know that. I thought it was the TIF program. Ooh. That's foreshadowing, I think. I think it's foreshadowing. And it's our final takeaway from Lori Lightfoot's budget address. Number seven. We will begin again to aggressively surplus TIF. We'll yeah. add a net of $33.5 million to our corporate fund. Oh, God. <clears throat> and yes, we seek a modest property tax Whoa. increase of $93.9 million. Now, some had predicted that this budget would be predicated on hundreds of millions of new property tax dollars. Mm. Not so. Uh. And for the average (laughs) Chicago home valued at $250,000, you will pay just 56 additional dollars for the whole year. That's right. Sounds good. Just 56 new dollars per year. And while we will keep advocating in D.C. for our fair share of new stimulus funding, we will also keep a watch on Springfield. Now to our partners in Springfield, as I have said before, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. We've done great things together already in my short time in office. And I know that we can work together to fully fund the local government distributed fund and avoid sending this city or any others unfunded mandates. Wow. Why is it mayors, when they talk about a property tax increase, always remind me of those car salesmen and Salozzi Edelson commercials from way back in the day. It's $56. That's dollars with a D. I mean, you know, I listen, my taxes keep going up every year, year after year. I sit there. I feel like Marvin Gaye uh, and um, makes me want to holler to cry about his taxes. Taxes keep going up. And when she says the $56, she's not taking into account the schools. A lot of this budget, we'll get into this uh, later with uh, Raylo. A lot of this budget is shifting stuff to the schools. <laughs> they think they're slick. See, this is just the city budget, Chicago. Uh, you know, sometimes it gets weary explaining things to my fellow Chicagoans. This is just one budget. All this attention on the mayor's, the mayor's budget. We're going to concentrate on the mayor's budget. Breaking news, the mayor's going to give a budget speech. But there's all kinds of budgets out there that are not part of this speech. The park district budget, the water rack budget, that is his favorite uh, uh, governmental entity. The uh, city college budget. It's not mine, it's yours. You love water. 
I do. Hold on one second. Yeah, take a drink of that water. My Lord. I've been trying to get him to run literally for years, everybody. Still no interest, huh? I really, yes, no interest. I really apologize for all the dust in here. I'm going to clean it up, D. Anyway, so there's a lot of, so what she's done, you know, she's kicking some money over. uh, The the, the schools are pick up some of the cities, uh, budget budget, uh, matters, because, you know, that way she can say, well, uh, I cut the city budget. Like, she doesn't have anything to do with the school budget. And she knows you guys aren't really paying attention. And as far as the TIFs are concerned, that is a property tax uh, hike that they never tell you about. And uh, so I've proposed just do away, you know, with the notion that it's an economic development program because it's the most unfair, unjust economic development program in the city. And just use it for what it is, a, a tax hike that people don't realize they're paying. Uh, that the mayor uses to plug in whatever she wants. So forget economic development programs with TIF. Just use it to pay the bills. And then you could say, yeah, you could say with a, a straight face, this is just a one-time deal for one year only. We can't expect to do this next year. They say this every year. Every year they say this. We can't expect to keep going back to this TIF piggy bank. It's not even a piggy bank. That's what that weird guy from the reader calls it. Where's slush fund? Just this one time only. Every year they say, one time only. And then the editorial writers, where's Michael Girardi when I need him? The editorial writers are like, we cannot. We cannot depend on the TIF fund. It's a one time only thing. Oh, it's funny how the one time onlys. I pay it every year. So it's clearly it's not a one time only tax hike. But anyway, God bless the TIF program. She's going to pluck. How much did she say, D? $33 million? We need. I need some mathematician out there. See, the way the TIF thing works is they take it, uh, all the taxing entities give it up. So I think the city is only 20% of the property tax entity. Don't quote me on that, D. But that means 80% of it, 50% is the schools, and then a total, the rest of it's 80%. Any mathematicians out there that can figure out if 33 million is 20%, what's the total... TIF give back to government. If anybody figures that out, we'll send them. What are we going to send them, D? Nothing. We don't have <laughs> we don't have anything to send them. What you're going to get from the feds in stimulus? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And there it was. Seven things that you need to know about Mayor Lori Lightfoot's 2021 oh, budget address. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, good afternoon, Mayor. <laughs> I guarantee you there's nobody quite like this in L.A. when the L.A. mayor does it. You know what I mean? Some guy's been following politics in L.A. for 40 years or whatever. I remember when uh, Mayor Bradley in 1985. Yeah, no one's putting a microphone in anybody's <laughs> face in California there. Uh, anyway, thank you, D. Hey, don't forget, Ray Lowe will be on. Uh, I'll be interviewing him around 4 o'clock this afternoon. We'll drop it at 7. And I'm sure uh, he'll have some interesting things. Raylo's been very critical of Mayor Lori Light, but I appreciate him for that. I think we need uh, independent thought in the Chicago City Council. Our last interview with Raylo was awesome. Uh, Go check it out. It'll be available at 7 p.m. tonight at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Okay, it's now time for a segment that I'd like to call Big Deal or No Big Deal. It's pretty simple. This is where I read a story and Ben Jarofsky tells us if it's a big deal or if it's not. D, I forgot. It's funny you should say this. 
because at our pre-show meeting, Dennis told me he was going to do this. Yeah, these meetings are worthless. And- I'm learning. <laughs> I had so many phone calls in between that meeting <laughs> and this, but uh, now I remember. Now I remember the story, and I actually read the story, D. So oh, the pre-show Benjirovsky show meeting where Dennis <laughs> talks to himself on the phone. Okay, so another Lori story made the headlines. Ooh. The Chicago Tribune has learned that months after a new law took effect banning elected public officials from lobbying Chicago City Hall, Mayor Lori Lightfoot exchanged <laughs> emails with a lobbyist who would have been barred under the new standards had they been enforced. Uh, Flossmore trustee Gayata Kimmins emailed Lightfoot mm. in August on behalf of Unibail, Rodhamco, Westfield a real estate company he lobbies City Hall on behalf of with tenants at O'Hare International Airport. The back and forth occurred months after Lightfoot introduced her own plan that would have rolled back part of the city's lobbying ordinance that prohibited elected officials such as Kimmins from lobbying city officials while keeping his suburban elected post. The lobbying ban went into effect on April 14th and the mayor's idea died earlier this month when Alderman rejected. So Benny J., Big deal or no big deal? Well, you know, D, um, I think uh, <laughs> the, the answer depends on whether you really like uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot or you don't like Mayor Lightfoot. If you don't like Mayor Lightfoot and you're looking for any excuse you can to, to bash her, big deal. Well, you know, I kind of like Lori, sort of, you know. Well, she won you over with that boxing analogy. And over the course of this very tough year, we have been on the ropes, and the referee has started the 10 count. Oh, God. Where did she come up with that? I didn't know Lori Lightfoot was a boxing fan. You know, I proposed uh, at one point to have Lori Lightfoot come on. Just I I said, look, I don't want to talk politics because she's going to duck and dodge everything I ask her anyway. So, you know what I mean? What's the point? It's almost embarrassing to watch. But let's do Bears football. Let's talk football with Lori Lightfoot. Let's see if she really knows football. Thing. But I know I know she's actually a football fan, but I didn't know she was a boxing fan. She knew about the 10 count. Wow. Barney Ross. Where'd she get Barney Ross? I was really impressed with that. I just love how you don't realize everyone has the internet, my friend. Oh, yeah, but, no, no, there's Ross. a million boxers. Did you had you ever heard of Barney Ross? No. I guarantee you, there nobody. Like the, I don't in the city council right now. Did any of those aldermen know who Barney Ross is? I don't think so, Dave. I doubt it. I don't. I, yes, I understand. You can get names from the internet, but you have to have some. Like, how did they know that Barney Ross came from? Like, why would they even think of Barney Ross? Whatever. Anyway, I don't want to go. You know, they're probably like, ah, you know, you know, they're, they're looking. You know, someone find me a fighter because this is like a boxing. You know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Research I team, right? Muhammad Ali. Cat, young Cassius Clay. Hey, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you can steal this idea and use it in the next budget. Don't give me any credit. Young Cassius Clay, 1960, came to the city of Chicago. Look it up. Have your researchers look it up. What a golden glove. A uh, golden glove. A golden glove. Yeah. <laughs> young Cassius Clay. Look it up. So you're saying no big deal? No, no big deal. I First of all, to me, most of the good government initiatives that come out are just a bunch of um, pap that they throw to the citizens of Chicago and Illinois. Because the basic line is this. Bribery is illegal, 
Bribery has been illegal for as long as I can remember. And I'm old. And I remember a long way. I don't even have to pretend like, oh, I remember when Harold Washington did. No, no, no. Bribery is illegal. So every time somebody gets caught with a bribe, they go, huh, we have to really crack down on our good government laws. Right now, good government people in the city of Chicago are declaring that they will not, cannot support the fair tax which will raise the rates on the wealthiest people and thus give this, go to people who can actually afford to help out funding it. How about that? It gets back to what I was saying earlier about Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I'm going to take five furlough days just like the garbage man, just like the clerk in City Hall. Well, you know, five days to you is a little less of an impact than five days to him or her. Ever think of that? Just like a 5% tax increase means a lot less to Kenny Griffin than it means to Benny J. So the notion uh, that uh, good government, the good government people are proposing, they're saying, well, we can't support the fair tax because these other reform initiatives have not been passed. And we can't do one without the other. What a cop out. That's the biggest cop out. That's as big a cop out as some white guy in the suburbs of Atlanta saying, I'm going to have to vote MAGA because of that defund the police thing that no mainstream Democrat supports. So, D, I've the ban on. So, okay. So, this dude is a trustee in, uh, where is it? Homewood? Is that it? Is that where he is? Homewood Philosopher or something like that? A south, south suburb? Flossmore, yeah. Flossmore. Trustee, I guess that's the equivalent of an alderman. That's a, uh, a Flossmorian alderman. Okay, I need someone from the south suburbs to help Get me out. Get the bong here. out. That one. Where's Toy Hutchinson when I need her? So that person, somehow or other, you know, we're going to have to pass a law that prevents him from lobbying. I don't, I don't see, like, if, if I'm... I, I could ask Ray Lowe about Ray Lowe about this. If I'm an alderman in the city of Chicago and I get a call from Billy Joe, <laughs> Billy Joe, Billy Joel. Yes, I am a trustee in suburban Wheeling, uh, but I also have a lobbying business on the side. The fact that that person's a trustee from Wheeling is not going to be what cuts the deal. The deal will be cut that that person is lobbying on behalf. I don't know. Fill it in. Commonwealth Edison, some huge corporation that's what's going to persuade the alderman it's not going to be the fact that so-and-so is a fellow legislator from some small town so you see what i'm saying folks it's like this notion that we're bringing reform to the system by putting this rule in here that really doesn't apply to what is the essential flaw in the system that that's like good government stuff that they throw at you. I find it irritating. I'm older I get, D, the more irritated I am with the good government crowd. And I was part of that crowd for many years. So, no, D, I don't think this is that big a story, except for it's a uh, rules for thee, not for me type of story as such. I'd have jumped all over if I was a working reporter at the tribunal. I would have been, boss, boss, do I have a scoop for you? Lori Lightfoot said she's not going to cut her hair, and she cut her hair. It's that kind of story, D. So, whatever. It's a nice one-day story. Yeah, I would have run with it if I was a reporter. Sure, why not, huh? 
All right, moving along here. The magic number is now 13. 13 days until Election Day. And on our November 3rd ballot will be the Fair Tax Initiative, a proposed amendment to the Illinois state constitution that would change the state income tax system from a flat tax to a graduated income tax. And what do you know? Another absurdly rich person here in the state of Illinois is forking over a ton of their own money to prevent it from being passed. It's time for a fair tax update. Fair tax update. <laughs> Patrick G. Ryan, the billionaire founder of Aon, has chipped in $1 million to the coalition to stop the proposed tax hike amendment. This is according to Illinois State Board of Elections records. Ryan is now chairman and CEO of Ryan Specialty Group, an international holding company he founded that specializes in wholesale brokerage, insurance underwriting managers, and other specialty services to brokers, agents, and insurers. Forbes estimates his net worth at $3.2 billion, billion with a B. Ryan Ryan has also donated to Gary Chico's 2011 mayoral bid. The Illinois Republican Party in 2005, 2006, and 2009, and Richard M. Daly's campaign committee in 2006. Citadel founder Ken Griffin has by far been the coalition's biggest benefactor, chipping in under $47 million total thus far. But others on Illinois' wealthiest list, including Craig, uh, oh, you know this guy's name. Duchy Swa, Craig Duchy Swa, Duchy Swa, Dick Uline, Manir Satter, Jay Bergman, and Sam Zell have donated as well. Also, Governor J.B. Pritzker's cousin, uh, Jennifer Pritzker, chipped in an additional $250,000 to the coalition's cause, bringing her total donations to the group at $750,000. Wow, man, I could use that money. You know what uh, I have in common with Patrick Ryan, D? Uh, Patrick Ryan, uh, you just get a million dollars. I just thought of this when you were reading that. Uh, Patrick Ryan is a broker, and I am broke. I got a lot in common with Patrick Ryan. <laughs> Man, where do I start? By the way, a million dollars, that's it? I mean, Kenny G, Kenny G, I'm just saying, they're making you do all the heavy lifting. If, if like, all the rich guys in Chicago, like, the rich guys who hate government, you know, but love their millions, get together and have, like, lunch. Could you imagine them dying? Dividing the bill. Um, I didn't have the coffee, so I'm not paying for it. That's how they are so and Kenny G, they're letting him do all the work. Million dollars? If I'm Kenny G, I'm calling up Patrick Ryland. Boss, that's it? A million? Come on, dude. I kicked in twenty seven. No, how much did he kick in D? Forty seven million. I kicked in forty seven million. And you could only come in with a million? You know what the little bird says when it flies over your head, Pat Ryan? Cheap, cheap, cheap. That's what Kenny G should say. <laughs> That's oh, what wow. Kenny G should say to Patrick Ryan. All right, folks, let me just tell you, Patrick Ryan, he's a gazillionaire, as uh, D pointed out, formed Aon. Uh, and he was, I don't know if there's anybody who remembers this, only me would remember. Oh, Tommy Tresser would remember this. Uh, he was the cheerleader for Mayor Daly's Olympic bid. And as such, he's one of those Republicans who always gives money to the mayor, loves the mayor, love Mayor Daly anyway. 
cheerleader for the uh, Olympic bid. I love it. I want to know, where was Andy Shaw? Where was the BGA? Where was the Civic Federation? Where were all these do-gooders? These good government do-gooders calling for reform when Mayor Daley and Patrick Ryan were writing a blank check to the International Olympic Committee in the behalf of the taxpayers of Chicago, whatever it costs, we want that Olympics here. Why is it that we only ask for reform when it's going to like help somebody like some broke ass person like me and Dr. D? Why is it that when we do like look out for the interests of working class people, middle class people and poor people, we need reform. We can't do that until we reform government, until we pass these essential laws that do nothing more than ban what is already banned, and that is bribe-taking. Why is that? Why is it? This is a cousin question to that. Why is it that whenever we propose to do something like hire more teachers for the public schools, we scrutinize the budget, the accountants, how much how many additional dollars will this mean for each home payer, homeowner? But when it comes to like giving out $2 billion to Amazon, I don't worry about it. Let the good times roll. Why is that? It's because you're suckers and saps, people. Believe the stuff your politicians tell you. So, D, I'm not that impressed that uh, Patrick Ryan gave them. I'm a little disappointed, actually. You know, because this is a guy that was was uh, leading the charge to write a blank check. Property taxpayers of Chicago were going to be owing billions of dollars with a B for that Olympics. And they not once did they worry about good government or reform or whether it was prudent or whether we could pay for itself. So I'm not, I'm not surprised, D. I'm not surprised. A little, little disappointed, actually, but I'm not surprised. How are we feeling about the fair tax these days? Think it's going to pass? Somebody got mad at me. I can't remember who, saying I'm sending out bad vibrations by saying it's going to lose. On the other hand, you know, so I'm, you know what, D? Oh, it's going to pass. 75%. I'm sending out the good vibrations. <laughs> That's those are me emanating good vibration. I really hope it passes. I'm a little disappointed in Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You know that little shout out she gave to Springfield. She could have shot it, shout out for the fair tax, but nope, I'm not sticking my neck out. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope, gotta pretend like it's not even happening. Fair tax? Did you say fair tax, D? Uh, hmm, no. Did you say share tax? Pair tax? I'm not aware of the fair tax. Meanwhile, did I tell you about Barney Ross? Anyway. And over the course of this very tough year, we have been on the ropes, and a referee has started the 10 count a couple of times. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood. And that was a fair tax update. Fair tax update. Date, 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 date. All right, everybody, before we uh, take a break and go to Monroe Anderson, uh, we want to remind everybody to follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email. Benny J Show at gmail.com is the email address. 
And you can call The Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. 708-658-4788. That number again. 708-658-4788. We actually uh, did get a message here. Um, message oh, it's, uh, from Michael. It's about football. Oh, Okay. The Bears win 23 to 16. Dumbass Nagy almost gave away with horrible play calling. Defense one game. That's from Gary. G-Man. Gary. That's fun, huh? Yeah, Bears fan. By the way, I just wrote a story of my uh, dear friend, Mick Dumkey. We did the interview about three weeks ago. He'll be back next week talking about Bruce Springsteen. The man loves Bruce Springsteen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, he was on talking about how he's through with football. And then he quietly acknowledged uh, over the weekend that he's probably going to watch uh, or pay attention to Northwestern's games. I'm like, well, that boycott didn't uh, last too long. That great declaration didn't last too long. Whatever. People love football. You got to do something, uh, Mick, to uh, stay sane uh, during this madness. So football helps. Yes, the Bears are 5-1, and one, D. I don't know if you know that. And you're, uh, you're not a... Aren't you like a Rams fan or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I really don't like football. Uh, I did When the Rams were hot, man, the greatest show on turf, I was following football then. Was, okay, you jumped on that bandwagon, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm a, you know, I'm a Bears fan, but I, I don't, I've not watched any of the games this year because I'm boycotting the Bears because they didn't take uh, Patrick Mahomes, but that's a whole other story. But 5-1, and one, I'm happy the Bears are, are five, better 5-1 five and one than 1-5, one and five, right, D? Sure. And uh, hey, everybody, make sure to download our uh, Benny J show part two from last night. Ben talked one on one with Joshua Smizer de Leon. Uh, ben, what was your takeaway from that interview? Oh, uh, excellent. Uh, we took a deep dive on the Puerto Rican boat and um, how that's going to impact Florida. Uh, Joshua made the prediction that uh, thanks to uh, the Puerto Rican vote, uh, Joe Biden would take Florida. The funniest thing is this notion uh, that Donald Trump has that he's going to win the Puerto Rican vote uh, because he's promising. Why anybody believes a promise that Donald Trump makes? It's like Ice Cube going out on the limb for Donald Trump because Donald Trump said, oh, I'm looking with interest at your contract uh, that you want, your contract with the black America. And, uh, you know, why, why anybody would believe anything Donald Trump tells them. This guy is known for breaking his word. This guy is known for like talking bankers into lending him money and then going bankrupt. Oops, sorry guys, that didn't work out. I'm going to keep most of it anyway. So why anybody would believe anything he says, I don't know. But uh, Trump is really confident uh, that because he's looking into giving, finally getting around to giving some of the hurricane aid uh, to Puerto Rico that uh, he's been holding back on, that he's going to win the Puerto Rican vote. Uh, in Florida, and uh, I don't know. I got a feeling voters are not as dumb as Donald Trump thinks they are. I think, in general, uh, voters are smarter than I give them credit for. Even Chicago voters who were like listening to Lori's budget speech, going, "Wow, she found all that savings with the contracts. That's really cool. I love our mayor." It's our interview with Joshua Smizer de Leon. Go check it out. It's both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Monroe Anderson coming up. Don't want to give you all false hope. That's the story from the The candidate most likable is somehow not electable. 
And the referee has started the 10 count a couple of times. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood, we have gotten back up, legs stronger, steely focus, and resolve to fight on. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's Attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop. Take it with you into the voting booth on your phone and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. ChicagoVotes.com Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, in the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Uh, every Wednesday, Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana, former columnist for the Chicago Tribune and the Sun-Times, press spokesperson for Mayor Eugene Sawyer, host uh, for many years of a talk show on Channel 2. Yes, that Monroe Anderson. Every Wednesday, he comes on our show. Uh, and before he does, he writes this little bit for Facebook that cracks me up. I was just reading it and uh, laughing. <laughs> Oh, Monroe, where do you come up with this stuff? Here we go. This is <clears throat> the countdown to D-Day, defeated day, <laughs> defeated day, D, capital D, defeated, capital D day, is 13. 
and Trump and his party are seeking nothing but bad are seeing nothing but bad signs. Republicans are worried sick about losing the Senate. Trump is acting like a wounded, caged animal, foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog. <laughs> oh my God! This is the product of Gary Public Schools, ladies and gentlemen, Roosevelt High School. <laughs> Oh my god. I was good at the dozens back in the day. (laughs) He sure was. You know, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, I wish I could go back in time and just like go back to Gary, Indiana in 1965 and just hang out in the Roosevelt High School cafeteria just to see what 18-year-old Monroe Anderson was like back. Wouldn't that be fun, Monroe, if like you and I could just like go back in a little spaceship and see what it was like back in those days. You'd be too young. <laughs> no, I can't go. We would go back as we are now in our spaceship. All right. Oh, yeah. oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. We would just watch it and do commentary. Yeah. Great blog. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was mainly horny back then. So. <laughs> <laughs> back then. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, That is uh, what he says. And I have a whole bunch of things I want to talk to Monroe about as well. And a difference uh, in in addition to all that, where's my, my cheat sheet. I want to get uh, in, Uh, hold on here. I want to find it. And I found it right here. Now, Monroe, first thing on my cheat sheet is to talk about the latest polls. Yes. We'll get into how Trump is insane uh, and how he's losing his mind uh, and how he's not doing practical things like, Passing a stimulus bill. How about that? That might help them. But here's the latest polls. Analysis of just, just in for the New York Times. I'll just read you um, uh, what they are. Michigan, Biden up eight. Wisconsin, Biden up seven. Pennsylvania, Biden up six. Arizona, Biden up four. Florida, Biden up three. North Carolina, Biden up two. And what's uh, happening in Alabama? You check out that? <laughs> yes. The last I looked at Alabama, Monroe Anderson, uh, in prepping for the show, uh, smoked a lot of reefer and said that uh, Alabama was going to go to Biden. Uh, and nobody will let you forget that. I got listeners going, don't forget to ask Monroe about Alabama. <laughs> Alabama, I think it was 13. Uh, Trump's up 13. Trump's the last poll I saw. They're not even wasting their time with polls in Alabama. Um, the big one is that uh, Joey B has a narrow lead in Iowa uh, in terms of like that's sort of a change. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, the problem for Donnie, and I'll get your thoughts on this one, Roe, is that uh, he's assuming that the electoral ca- uh, map will work for him like he did in 2016. Uh, that yeah. means he's counting on the states that he won in 2016, like Iowa and Ohio and Georgia and North Carolina, uh, just to come back to him. And then he, he can continue to hold his own in the big three of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. But he's in trouble in the states that he's taken for granted, hence right. the significance and, and, of and, Iowa. And he's underperforming with white voters. They're they're uh, as 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 when when back in the old the good old Bernie Bro days, <laughs> as I explained to you back then, uh, Joe appeal can appeal to white working class voters because he's one of them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> 
I just saw this headline, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show, about voters in suburban Georgia uh, telling the New York Times that they're going to stick with MAGA uh, because they're worried about defunding the police. So I those white voters... I don't know, Monroe, but Joe Biden cannot, in my humble opinion, uh, depend on them. Go ahead. What's your thoughts? No, he's going to get he's going to get he's going to get a lot. Trump will get the majority still, but a much less of a majority than he got four years ago for a couple of reasons. The um, and those two reasons are obviously the covid-19 virus and it's and, and and how it's killing off senior citizens and the economy uh, where he was getting all his credit for obama's economy mm-hmm. and um that died with his mishandling of the covid 19 virus so um people worry about if they're going to get work when they're going to get work if they're going to lose their jobs um, how how can they work and have their kids at home at the same time? It's it's it's, it's all kind of problems. And Trump is is merrily going along, pretending that the virus doesn't exist, and that's upsetting his supporters. Some, mm-hmm. you know, some of the those nuts out there at the in the petri uh, dishes, rally, <laughs> yeah. with no mask. No, no brains, <laughs> but, but red hats, you know, they're just, there will be fewer of them. Well, one thing that, one thing that I, I, I mentioned along these lines, Monroe, at the outside of the show, and get your thoughts on this, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, surreal nature, nature of politics in America in 2020, and I was contrasting it to 2008, 2008, when Obama yeah. was running against John McCain. We were in the middle of a, ter- a terrible recession, bordering on depression, in the closing days of uh, baby Bush's administration. And Republicans were engaged in Democrats in negotiations over some kind of stimulus plan. Right. They were taking it seriously, not just for the state of the uh, uh, the election. They wanted to win the election, but also for the state of the economy. Those right. two together. Right. The fast forward 12 years. Mitch McConnell said there will be no if there is a stimulus deal at all, it won't be happening until after the election. So I right. doubt it's going to happen at all. But no, this is we have uh, left. We've left all the tracks, man. I mean, just. The fact that they're not taking seriously their responsibilities well, and obligations. Well, Go yeah, ahead. This is what with Mitch, he 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 really doesn't care for Trump that much. But you know, but that's that's been a, a devil uh, a date with the devil, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But now he's he's worried about losing his majority leader position. And so he wants to keep, he wants to save the Senate. That's what he's thinking about. They've, they've kissed off Trump. You know, they know Trump's going to lose. And so if he, his Senate is divided, um, suddenly some of them have remembered that um, they're worried about the national deficit, which is like, like three trillion over or something. I mean, some, some really a massive amount. And so they, they've returned to being concerned about the budget, the national budget debt, which they weren't 
for the past three and a half years. But now that they see that Trump's going to lose, suddenly they're becoming concerned about that. It's, 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 it's about 15 or 20 of them are there. So what, what Mitch is faced with is having his people divided. And, um, and he's also worried about making sure that Barrett gets clearance, uh, goes to the Supreme Court. And if his people get divided, who knows what, what, what will happen with that. So that's, well, that's, it, what's his concern? He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't care about the budget right yeah. now. Well, that just uh, again uh, puts a spotlight on uh, how insane the political system is right now. Because just follow your logic. I hear what you're saying. I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but if he was a really a, like if he was like a Michael Madigan type leader, he yeah. would allow those Republicans. Uh, who felt they couldn't vote for a stimulus bill because they wanted to parade around as deficit hawks to vote no. But he would round up the ones he needed to cut the deal, uh, joining forces with the Democrats. This is how Madigan does things. And uh, and you pass it. And this is the other problem. He has one other problem. And that's that he doesn't know what crazy Donnie's going to (laughs) do. One day to the next. So... Donnie um, has said in the last his last uh, position on this is that he wants something bigger. Yeah, go big. But uh, Mitch may go out on that limb, do what he should be doing, and then it gets to Donnie, and he goes, "I'm not signing this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does that to his people. Todd, they, you know, he he he, he, uh, he pulls the rug from under. No, he does that to he, That's that's the story of Donald Trump's life. Right. And I mean, I'm going to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to be talking about uh, Dolly Glenn's great column in the Tribune today about uh, black support for Trump. But this right. is I can't get over this. An ice cube of all people, one of the most astute businessmen in Hollywood, a billionaire. Right who's right. been a tremendous success on all fronts. With, from NWA to Dottie Trump. That's some, some transition. But. Yeah. But would, <laughs> would believe what Dottie says to him. Oh, yeah, this looks like a very uh, good idea. I think I'll look yeah. into it. And he's tweeting it out. Well, Dottie's at least saying that. I'm like, why does anyone believe anything this guy says? And you're you're absolutely correct. Donnie Trump heard Jimmy Dore go on the Tucker Carlson show. Jimmy Dore is a left-wing podcaster and appealed directly to him for, to pass a stimulus bill. And after that, he started saying, we should go big. We should go big. You know, he, he heard it on TV. And he goes, that sounds yeah. good. And then he dropped it and he forgot he's, he, you know, he, <laughs> he can't keep his mind on things for too, too long. He's just completely dropped it, but he's perfectly capable. And Ron, you're absolutely correct of reneging on a deal at the last moment. Right. Right. And so Mitch is going, no, 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 no. This is my Senate leadership on the line here. Now, you know, I don't care about America. I don't care about Trump. I just, I just love being the Senate majority leader. And so that's what I'm going for. Well, the uh, the connection between the Amy Coney Barrett vote and this uh, stimulus bill is one you I hear all the time. You're not the first person I've heard say it, Monroe. I read it in the newspaper. And I, I'm like, what is the connection? Help me out, Monroe. What is the connection? Like, why can't they have two votes? If you're going to have one, why can't you have a second vote? Help me out this. Help, help, help us out here, Monroe. If, uh, 
um, Mitch McConnell has two interests, and that's it. One interest is stacking the courts. This has been his, mm-hmm. his, his, his mission since Boyd, uh, back in the 80s, when, the, when, when they jammed up Bork. Uh, Bork, B-O-R-K, Bork, Bork yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Bork. Uh, is to have the, the courts stacked with right-wingers. And he's been working overtime on that. And the other thing that's important to him is to keep his majority leadership so he can stack the courts with more right-wingers as positions become open. Because they don't, conservatives don't have the demographics in their favor anymore. America, believe it or not, is, is not gonna be white that much longer it's not going to be um, majority white. Majority white, mm-hmm. right? Majority white. It's not going to be that. Uh, the the uh, twenty forty is one one uh, postmark mile mile post that they use to say it happened by then. It could happen. More more non white babies are being born right now than in the past. And so they've, they're trying to figure out a way to keep white privilege going as long as they can. And that, that's, that's Mitch's mission. Yeah. Well, they need, they need they, and they need Amy Barrett on the court because um, Obamacare mm-hmm. going to be up for consideration. Um, and, um, Roe versus Wade. Yeah. No, and, and it's and uh and election uh decisions. Yeah. And this was yeah. so obvious the other day. The Supreme Court right. uh, could not reach a decision on Pennsylvania. They couldn't take up the case. Uh, right. so as a result, the Democrats got a sort of a victory. They'll be counting ballots. Although it works for Republicans too. This is the irony, Monroe. It's not like every ballot that comes in late in the state of Pennsylvania is a Democratic ballot. They just right. work from the assumption that it's good. So it's going to help Republicans, too. That's the bizarre thing about the Republican stand. But they couldn't muster up the five votes they needed to have a, uh, to hear it and to potentially defeat it because John Roberts went with the liberals. So it was 4-4. Right. Well, they got when they put Amy Coney Barrett, she's just going to be a rubber stamp for, uh, yeah, Don, for Donnie, just like the others. That's yeah. five right there. That's why they want her on. That's right, why they want yeah, her on. Right, exactly. And Roberts is worried because he doesn't want to go down in history. He doesn't want his legacy to be that he was this right-wing reactionist court. He didn't, yeah. The Roberts court was this right-wing reactionist court. So he's he's been drifting left on certain key things to try and keep it in balance. Let me tell you this, though. Uh, uh, this There's this guy named... Um, Ellie Mazal, I, 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 I might be getting the name wrong, but he's he's a black uh, writer. Hmm. What's with, that? Uh, the telephone. Oh. <laughs> uh, it will be dead, God, in a minute. <laughs> you know who that is? It's that Phyllis. Phyllis calling it. She's trying to get on the show. The one the lady's doing the politicians. They yeah. promise they won't tax retirement. Yeah. So anyway, okay, let me tell you this. He had, he, he's a writer for the nation. Mm-hmm. He used to write for the legal mag, uh, law, law magazine. Mm-hmm. He's this black guy with a white hair, white afro. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
he says that we shouldn't stack the court. We shouldn't. We 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 should we should we should do more than just stack the court. He says we should have twenty nine, <laughs> twenty nine justices. Yeah, and I think it's a brilliant idea. He says the Ninth Circuit Court has twenty nine justices judges on it, and he says what that does is because right now the way the court is set up. If you have one octogenarian die, then it could throw the court in one um, direction or the other. I'm with him. And so he says, 29, put 29 on there and have them of all persuasions and ages. And then you, then you could have a true um, legal um, setting. And the way the ninth, ninth District Court does it is if a case comes up um, that is trying to get reviewed, they have three judges of the 29. Look at the case and decide whether it's going to be judged or not. And the, and the way it's done is by, by lottery. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you can't pick your judges. You can't go judge shopping for something. I, 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 I'm with you. Brilliant idea. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I'm with him. Uh, I'm, and I'm a fan of his. I read his stuff in the nation. Uh, yeah. I, this, I'm trying to get this right. This, this, this travesty of the Amy Coney Barrett hearings, the death of Ruth. First of all, just the way that people were like hanging on to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, um, medical condition. There's something right. perverse about that because yeah. so much depended on the life of one person. And right. the, way, the way we just cling to these judges, you got to survive. There's just right. something really twisted and weird about that. Then you like, oh, we're going to rush to uh, replace her uh, immediately. This is Mitch McConnell. So we can get this advantage for the next 40 years. We're going to just take this 40 something year old, whether she deserves it or not. And then they have this bizarre spectacle where they they schlep out her family like what does that have to do what does it have to do monroe anderson with what she has a nice husband and wonderful kids what does that have to do with anything it's like that's their way of saying you american voters are so freaking stupid right that all we have to do is put the kid up there and the husband and you're like oh that's right. nice oh let's vote for her Right? right? Am I right, Monroe? Come on, right. you work for you work for Eugene Sawyer. You know what low estimation that politicians have of the voters? That are such freaking idiots. Just put the kid out there; they'll vote for us, right? Well, actually, the way I, I know how it works is that um, when when Tim Evans and Dorothy Tillman and Bobby Rush were wanted to challenge um, Sawyer. And have have a special election, and so they, they everybody they were judge shopping, the Sawyer people yeah. were judge shopping, trying to figure out who they could get it in front of that would be sympathetic to their side. And so yeah, you know, probably yeah. in the justice, we don't have justice in America right now. No. There is no justice in America, just us. Anyway, uh, we'll get into the Chicago 7 just briefly. Uh, okay. Really, uh, but going back to Trump, I went on a yeah. tangent there. 
but just to, when you raise that subject, uh, I just had that vision of that White House reception for Amy Cody Barrett and how low we've gone as a people. Like, we would care about her family. That's what relevance is that? All right. Uh, going back uh, to Trump, Monroe, he has been so insane for the last week. Yes. And I don't know. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he can't lie to himself anymore. As, as hard as he tries. So now what he wants to do, one of, one of the insane things he did was announce publicly that he was upset with Barr because Barr should have indicted his, his opponent, his main opponent, Biden, for some made-up uh, story that the Russians put out. About um, Ukraine. Yeah. Okay. Then he also um, uh, had a um, story he told about cutting a deal with um, what was it BP, one of the oil companies. Yeah. Where um, basically they they offered him a bribe, and he did, he said, well, he could have taken it, but he didn't. <laughs> And they, and they put out a, a, a tweet saying uh, it didn't happen. He's lying. Because <laughs> what he was basically what he was talking about something that was patently illegal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's either they used to say he's just joking. He's being sarcastic. Now he's yeah. lying. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. He's he's past the joking stage now. He's so desperate. So he's just he's he's just you know he 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 walked out on sixty minutes. Yeah. And the last last story I read about it is that he walked out because. He didn't like uh, Leslie Stahl's tone. It wasn't even that she was asking her, her tone. And yeah. he's writing about it. He's, he's telling people, uh, yeah, you got to watch 60 Minutes. You see what I did. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I mean, 60 Minutes appreciates it because their ratings are, are going to be as high as they've been in a very long time. Well, here's the interesting thing. You yeah. mentioned that, and, I, and, and this popped into my head. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump's erratic, volatile uh, behavior has drawn viewers. And uh, we saw this in 2016 in, in particular. What struck me was uh, last week's when they had the uh, competing town hall debates, Biden outdrew Trump. Right. And I, I'm i like, wow, could it possibly be that uh, the American people are just tired of Trump's act? Yes, that's exactly it. And it's predictable. And he keeps repeating the oldies but goodies that have worked for him in the past. He's he's rerunning the 2016 campaign. That's why he keeps trying to get some dope dirt on um, Biden, like he he thought he had on Hillary. Yeah, because his problem his, his his problem is all the things that he's thrown at Biden, which is why I was for Biden when some of us some of you others. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Off track. What was wrong? Wait a minute. You're rewriting history. Now that's a rewrite of history. Yes, it's true. I was for Bernie. 
All right. But as I recall, Monroe Anderson about a year ago was singing the praise of one Elizabeth Warren. Well, I, but I said that Burt Biden probably was going to win, but I liked Elizabeth. I just said he was going to win. All right. Well, you know, we have to go back. Actually, my position was this I liked Bernie's ideas because he, he took the party to the left. And so I liked that a lot. But if he were actually to get the nomination, he gets slaughtered by Trump because every 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 ad they ran would have a hammer and sickle. Yeah, well, which we uh, all right. Let's not re- redo that one. You won, I lost. Exactly. Now, they, they're trying to do it with with Biden, but it doesn't work. Yeah. People go, ha ha ha! I know Biden for forty years. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, they. they they did an article in the New York Times about Biden back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and I was just, just sort of smiling when I read the article uh, because he was like the most conventional, straight. Right. Uh, uh, like, he, I think the Beatles were too radical for Joe Biden. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, he's a Scranton guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of Beatles supporters and Rolling Stone supporters in Scranton. I'm sure there were people smoking a reefer in Scranton. It's just like he was really straight. Uh, way more straighter than Donald Trump, that's for sure. All right, now I want to get to uh, Darlene Glanton's uh, excellent column in the Chicago Tribune on the black vote that was required homework for you to read. Uh, And uh, essentially, Donald Trump will get a a high-profile black person to sign on, like Ice Cube sending out that uh, text message, sort of favorable or... uh, uh, 50 cent coming out for him but and then he pretends as though that means he's going to win like upwards of 20 percent of the black vote right. and she kind of decimated that go ahead yeah. Monroe. well initially you know when uh when he, he ran four years ago he said that um he was going to get 95 <laughs> percent so, so even if he ends up with the 20 which he won't but, but even if he did he's still 75 percent short of what he promised that he'd do as usual you know he, he comes up short but uh you know it's the, the darlene's uh, column was very good and what happens when these guys do this, whether it's a Kanye or an Ice Cube, is they have a black fan base, and their black fan base calls them behind the shed and spanks them. <laughs> they come out and go, well, a second thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where the more rational. Herschel Walker can stick with Trump because nobody knows who Herschel is anymore or cares. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure where Mike Tyson is, by the way. I, I think Tyson was for Trump in 2016. I've not seen any uh, updates yeah, from Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, right. No, and, and the reason they, they, you know, back when I met Trump, in 1888, 89, mm-hmm. uh, Tyson was the championship and he and Trump had a symbiotic relationship at that time with Don King. As, yeah. as, you know, as oh a, my God. Like, it was a very, it was, it was, um, yeah, Don King also supported Trump. Uh, now he still does. 
he still does? Okay, yeah. I missed that. But you know what, Monroe? The reality is, and you've said this on the show many times, uh, there are black Republicans, legitimate yeah. black Republicans. I'm not just talking about MAGA hat wearers. They're black yeah. Republicans. Right, right. There are a few of them. Well, if, if you go back um, to, to my, my grandfather's uh, political party, it was Republican. Yeah. They, you know, the party of Lincoln had the blacks and the Democrats had the Dixiecrats. And what happened was FDR came along and, 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 and started shifting things. And then during the civil rights movement, in the 50s and 60s, the uh, Republicans was treating the civil rights movement, a lot of them, not all of them, but like a, a communist plot. Mm-hmm. And then Nixon and, um, and Reagan came up with the Southern strategy. And, and, and of course, LBJ came up with the Civil Rights Act and the voting, uh, and, and the voting rights and um, he lost. He said he was going to lose the the the, uh, the South for a generation. It's been two. <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> yeah. Well, by the way, if there's any indication of how little the black uh, vote will be for Donald Trump, and how the Republican Party acknowledges that, if there's any proof, you want any proof, just take a look at the voter suppression tactics that the Republicans are practicing and look where they're practicing it, Monroe. They're not practicing voter suppression uh, tactics in suburban white Georgia. No. They want all those people to vote because they assume they're gonna vote for MAGA. Uh, They're practicing it wherever black people live in high numbers. Because despite who 50 Cent is for, or despite who Ice Cube says he's for, or despite who Willie Wilson's for, or despite whoever any black Republican says he's for, Kanye West, et cetera, they know that the overwhelming majority of black voters are gonna go against Trump. And that's why they're trying to suppress the vote. Right. And they're not. They're, it's not going to work because Trump has alienated black people so much, and, and the Republicans, with, with this attempt to suppress the vote, that um, people are upset. They're pissed off, and so they're up early in the morning with the voting polling, voting a large number, and um, it, it's all over. Well, the, the Republicans are going to lose the House. I've been saying this, and I will continue saying it for the next two weeks until they've lost the House and they've lost the White House. And um, the Senate. I, I mean, you mean the Senate? The Senate. I'm sorry, they've lost the Senate and the White House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be a big enough number where some changes we need to, we need Sam, we need to play Sam Cook's the change is going to come. <laughs> I hope we're playing that on election day. I really am. Uh, Monroe, uh, let's take a break from Trump and politics and talk about an old friend of yours, a dear friend of yours who passed on legend in uh, journalism, Les Payne. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, well, you t- his book on Ma- Malcolm X is just coming out. Why don't you tell them? I haven't had a chance to read it. I read the review that was in the New York times yeah. and uh, it got a stellar review. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading uh, Les Payne's book on Malcolm X that he was working on for years. Why don't you talk uh, a little bit about Les Payne? Yeah. What, yeah. Introduce yeah. him. Go ahead. Yeah, Les got a contract to write the book in 99. 
and um, he got a $200,000 advance on it. And for a bunch of different reasons, nothing happened. So he ended up um, giving the money back, the advance back. Uh, but he continued to work on the book. And the problem, because it, I, I would have this running uh, joke when, when, whenever we talked on the phone or whenever I saw him at a black journalist convention, I'd say, well, I'm looking forward to that book. Is it, is it coming out next, uh, soon? And he would laugh. And, you know, and I call him, I say, well, hopefully you can talk because I know you're working on your book. <laughs> well, what a wise guy. Monroe, that, that is the real Monroe Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the truth of the matter is he kept coming up with new stuff. Yeah. He'd tell me about it. He, 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 he talked to uh, Malcolm's relatives, his brothers. He, um, for example, um, he... He, he found out that um, Malcolm, although Malcolm's story was about how he couldn't read until he went to, to prison and he taught himself to read. He, he, uh, actually, Malcolm did some sort of um, legal maneuver when he was going to prison where he, he got sent to this, I forget the name of the prison, but he got sent to this prison that has um, the best library mm-hmm. In the in 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 the in, in the uh, prison American prison prison system, so that he have he have uh, all this um, books that he could look at. But he wasn't teaching himself how to read. He knew how to read, but he was he was he was further self educated. Yeah, there's so much myth about uh, uh, Malcolm X, uh, and uh, part of it was because uh, there was myths in the the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex right. Haley, right. and uh, historians right. have been working through that. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. I can't hear you because the train is roaring back uh, by us right now. Uh, so, which I'm sorry, my bro, what were you saying? As there was with roots. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he borrowed and screwed around with that. He's he he was a, he was a good storyteller, though. So great storyteller, uh, Alex Haley, uh, and uh, God bless him, man. He was a working writer and he made a great living. And I got no problems with oh, Alex no, Haley. No, no. Um, I but no, I went to watch him speak when I was in college. At Alex Indiana Haley. University. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this uh, uh, this new biography. Les Payne uh, wrote with his, I guess, his daughter uh, helped uh, finish the biography. Uh, Les yeah, died. And, and Joyce Joyce has, has has a call out to the daughter uh, to see if she will come uh, um, talk on your show. Oh, so I'm looking for. Her. Yeah, maybe so we'll, we'll do a joint interview. You be in the as well. But that would require you have to read the book uh, and uh, and I. I've given you a homework assignment, which you haven't completed yet. Uh, and that is to watch the Chicago seven movie. So we're not going to discuss the Chicago seven movie. I watched it. I have a lot of strong thoughts about it. Uh, but I just want to promote our show Friday. Sergio Mims, a friend of Monroe and mine will be on. We'll be breaking down the Chicago seven movie. We'll also uh, 
breaking down the movie on the 40 year old version, which is my favorite movie of the year. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and Borat, we're going to do three movies. So we've, um, uh, we've done our homework. Sergio Mims will well, be what here. What 40-year-old version are you talking about? There's a movie called A 40-Year-Old Version, V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Yeah, 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 yeah right, okay. It, it's yeah. on uh, Netflix. It's a wonderful movie. I cannot yeah, recommend it enough. Yeah. yeah, I urge you to watch it. I think Joyce would like it, too. Uh, the, hair, the, the hair removed is off his chest is the funniest part of the entire No, no, no. Movie. That's the 40-year-old Virgin, V-I-R-G-I-N. Uh, this is V-E-R-S-I-O-N. It's a play on that uh, and a completely different movie, completely different oh, movie. Okay. Right I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, all right. So, Monroe, I have to close with this. Yeah. Um, so, as part of my obsession with Chicago 7, the movie, uh, and how they rewrote history and how upset I was with the movie for rewriting history. I wrote a column about it. Sergio and I were talking about it. Uh, I found myself listening to an interview uh, that the great Studs Terkel did with uh, Abby Hoffman, Bobby Seale, and David Dellinger, who were three members of the Chicago 8. It was the 8 at the start of the yeah, trial. Before, yeah, before they kicked Bobby off. Right, before they yeah. kicked Bobby off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was really a fascinating interview. It was done in 1988, 20th anniversary. So much time has passed, Monroe. It was yeah. the 20th anniversary of the Chicago Convention of 68. So Studs, who's passed, convened yeah. Abby Hoffman, David Dellinger, Bobby Seals. I think Bobby Seals is the only one still living of that group. And uh, they, they had this discussion. And it was just a fascinating discussion to hear the real voices of the real people, to realize how much what they stood for, uh, I don't know how much they fought and, and, and how they endangered their livelihood. And just like, what a rewrite, and, farcical and rewrite. And Bobby, their lives. Their yeah. lives. So, yeah. But, yeah they, but they, were, they were killing Panthers. They were yeah. killing Panthers, right. Yeah. And um, so Abby Hoffman, you'll get a kick out of this. Yeah. They were talking about the new generation. And as older people do, and this will happen to you, millennials. I'm telling you, Z's, it's going to happen to you. Right. When you hit about 50, you're going to start looking back and you're going to say you can't understand the new generation and their ways and how ignorant they are. And so Abby Hoffman and Bobby Seale are recounting how when they go on college campuses in 1988. Right. And uh, they talk about uh, Malcolm X. And these college kids would look at them confused, like not sure who they were talking about. And then yeah. they would go, oh, you mean Malcolm 10? <laughs> and they thought like the X behind Malcolm yeah. was the Roman numeral for 10. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and like these college kids, Monroe, that they were talking about are now are like Gen Xers now. They're yeah. in their 50s. Going, oh, I yeah, can't believe these millennials. The thing is, I was disappointed in Generation X because they were apolitical. And what I love about the millennials, although they're, they, they, they're problems with them also, but what I love about them is they are politically active. I mean, they are like we were back in the 60s. You know, they have uh, uh, yeah. Going on. yeah, and I love that. I... Uh... What I, I have a fondness for millennials. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, I, yeah, I do because yeah. I have two as, as children. But yeah. also, I mean, I love, and, and my two children are very political. 
But the generation, I love that their their commitment to change and how they're acting on it. They're out in the street, yeah. and you know, the, 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 um, I, was, I was having a discussion with my millennial son Kyle last night, uh, and the the one thing we both agreed on is that uh, millennials have a a tendency to think that what they think and what they're into is it period. Yeah. And nothing else counts. No, that's and, so true. Uh, and and <laughs> I back to us, the baby boomers, because we were spoiled. We were the me generation. And so we were, our, our children were more special than anybody else's. That's good. Monroe. You, you, you have, you have a situation where, <laughs> You get a trophy, and you get a trophy. Yeah. Get a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> so they all think they're so special. Yeah. Some are, and some aren't. Yeah, that's life. But I'll tell you this: say what you will about millennials. If they see the word Malcolm with an X, they're yeah. not going to go Malcolm Ten. Huh? <laughs> I'm a Generation X, and you think your Generation X would get it? You know what I'm saying? But, right, exactly. Huh. They know. They know Malcolm X is. Yeah. Come on, Generation X. You're not all that. You think you're all that, but you're not all that. Yeah, Spike Lee and Denzel Washington. They know about Yeah, you're right. This, you know, that's a good point. This, uh, this interview with Abby Hoffman and Bobby Seale, uh, yeah. David Dellinger happened before uh, the Malcolm 10 movie came out. Malcolm yeah, exactly. 10. Exactly. Oh, Lord. All right, Monroe, stay safe and sound. Keep practicing that Tai Chi. And uh, we'll talk to you um, next Wednesday, all right? Yeah, next Wednesday is going to be the the uh, last Wednesday before the election. Oh my goodness, I'm oh getting so. And, and we'll have that debate. Lord knows what's going to happen at that debate, which I don't even know if I'm going to watch the debate. Well, he may, it may not happen. Oh he really? Yeah. Uh, he may, he uh, said he's not, but but um, he did so badly. And he doesn't have anything to say. So, and he's he's he's, he's Kirsten Welker, who's who's going to be the the um, moderator. He's been criticizing her. She's a radical Democrat, according to him. So, you know, which she's not. She's a very she's a she covers the White House for NBC, and she's very she's a journalist. She's yeah. very balanced. You know, he's working the refs. That's what Republicans do. They cry, they whine, right. they complain right. that they're victims. Yeah, right. But he, well, he, know. May back, he may back out because, you know, and I've said this, I know you got to go, we got to go, but I just want to, again, reiterate how, remember I told you that he doesn't have anything to talk about. Good. So he has to lie. And um, he doesn't want to go up against Biden in a, a real debate because Biden knows what he's talking about. Trump doesn't. And Biden tells the truth and Trump lies. And so that doesn't play well on any, uh, uh, any place but Trump TV. And uh, it'll be a bigger audience than that. All right, Monroe. Uh, stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. That's the great Monroe Anderson. Everyone's in the Ben Drossi show. Any updates for me, young man? Absolutely. I do. Earlier, we were talking about Generation X. Well, you mean uh, you mean Generation Ten, right? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Dude, I was cracking up. I'm listening to uh, Abby Hoffman tell that story. And we have so many uh, Generation Xers come on the show. You figure they know uh, that uh, the X is uh, X, not uh, Roman numeral 10. But uh, <laughs> they come on the show and they speak so disparagingly of millennials. You know, this is something I picked up. This millennial generation. And it's like, dude, you guys didn't even know that the X was an X. Okay? So don't act like you're so smart. Reminds me of something we used to do. We used to call Blockbuster Video uh, back when the movie Fantastic Four came out. And we would call them and we go, hey, man, you know, hey, I like that Fantastic Four, but I can't find Fantastic One, Two, or Three anywhere. Can you help me find them? We used to do that. Uh, fun times and all. It was a slow Friday night. I know what we'll do. We'll call them Blockbuster. <laughs> ah, D. I think it wasn't much better back in my day playing poker. Okay, guys, we're going to play seven-card stud now. Okay. All right, we got a few updates here. First off, we have another fair tax update. Oh, okay. Fair tax update. Uh, We have another one to add to the list of those opposed to the Illinois fair tax, a proposed amendment to the Illinois state constitution that would change the state income tax system from a flat tax to a graduated income tax. Now, along with Phyllis. Springfield politicians, (laughs) they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. No, it doesn't. You just made it up, fellas. You just made it up as you went along. No, it doesn't do anything like that. Nothing like that. So along with her, the Civic Federation on Tuesday joined the opposition to Governor J.B. Pritzker's push for a graduated income tax, arguing the rates passed by the lawmakers last year as part of the governor's proposal are, quote, anything but ideal. A statement from the group reads, while the Civic Federation is not opposed to the concept of a graduated income tax and understands the state's need for more revenue, the rate structure enacted by the General Assembly is anything but ideal. Low-income Illinoisans will continue to bear roughly the same tax rate as their middle and uh, their middle and upper middle class counterparts. The nonpartisan government research group contended that nothing in the package protects any one group of taxpayers from being overburdened now or in the future. All right, so let's just keep what we got, which guarantees to overburden people. Well, we can't support this because it's not absolutely perfect. So we're going to stick with the imperfection that's worse than improving the one, the improved plan. We're going to stick with something that's even worse. What a dodge. Just come out and say it. That we are the same community of well-to-do people of Kenny G and the Jennifer Pritzker persuasion, and they don't want to pay more in taxes, and we're protecting them. Why don't you just come out and say it? This that that's like that beat Andy Shaw's argument. Well, I can't be for the fair tax until we clean up corruption in the state of Illinois. All right, so we're gonna not clean up corruption and still have an unfair tax system. Just be honest. And go, you know what? The people that support us are against it. So we can't be for it. Sorry, guys. Man, where were any of these people? They're never there when you need them. You know what I'm saying, D? Never there when you need them. All right, we have. But I got every excuse in the world to justify it. We have more updates here. A 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. 
This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Now, he may be in a bit of hot water at the moment with Madigan Gate, the time utility bigwigs ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of one Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> but the Mike Madigan Democratic campaign funding gravy train is still rolling through the state of Illinois. The Democratic Party of Illinois, led by Speaker Michael Madigan, has started to pour money into an effort to keep Illinois Supreme Court Justice Tom Kilbride on the bench yeah. with two weeks until Election Day. Election records filed Tuesday night showed the Democrats put 500 uh, $550,000 into the November 3rd Kil, uh, Kilbride retention campaign. That pushes the total political spending by both sides in the contest nearly $7 million. The mm. contest is critical for Democrats because Absolutely. a Kilbride loss could jeopardize the party's 4-3 to three majority on the state's high court. With money from billionaire donors, Republicans are waging an anti-Kilbride campaign in hopes of knocking him off the court and getting a chance to capture the open seat in the 2022 election. But Ben, if you recall, and if you don't, I don't blame you. I mean, we never mentioned it here on the show. But on October 2nd, Kilbride told WBEZ that he would not accept any funding from any Madigan-led political funds. Kilbride, uh, Kilbride said, quote, we're not going to accept one penny. And I say this respectfully from Speaker Madigan or any of his entities. So, Ben Jarofsky, will Kilbride take the money? Ha, I thought you said he took it already. <laughs> well, they said that he wasn't going to in October. <laughs> well, that was a stupid thing to say in October. See, that's Democrats falling for that router stuff. Yeah, router, I got to give you credit. By the way, that had to be from the Bulldog. Nobody else would have that, right? Oh, yeah. You got who, Where'd you get that? Rich Miller. Rich Miller? Rich that's a, nobody but the bulldog would have that. Well, Danny Malopoulos might have got that. that. Probably was Danny that he said. Kilbride said that. Why, guys? Why would you play on the 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 Republican map? You know what I'm saying? Like that is a Republican. You they position you to say you're not taking money from Madigan because there's something wrong with Madigan. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah. Republicans spend millions of dollars turning him into a demon. Chicago Tribune's dedicated the last 20 years of his career turning him into a demon. Now, Democrats, we're going to stay away from Madigan. It's only like the smartest political operative you got. All right. So we're all going to stay away from Madigan. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, let's see. Like he's the brightest brain and get the most money. He's been in office the longest. He could probably help me, but... Well, stay away from him because I'm going to prove to Republicans I'm bipartisan. <laughs> Man. That's what I said early, D. Oh, okay. I'll run away from Madigan if Republicans run away from Trump. Trump, I don't see the I don't see it both ways. So I don't I hope he takes some money. You know? I don't think I don't think it'll make a difference. I mean it'll make a difference if he loses. If, if he loses, it'll make a difference in the Supreme Court. But, uh, you know, that whole notion, that game that uh, Republicans have Democrats playing, like, well, we got to stay away from Madigan. Yeah. Guys, Republicans, I just want to say this. Republicans right now are embracing Rod Blagojevich. 
Remember when the Republicans were staying away from Rod Blagojevich? They were you, no, they were trying to embarrass Democrats by talking about how he's one of them. Remember the same people who were telling you Democrats to stay away from Madigan were the ones who were airing the phone conversation between Blagojevich and Pritzker. Remember that Democrats? Democrats are cool. Well, you have nothing to do with Blagojevich. We impeached him right away. Well then. Donnie let him out of jail. Blagojevich announced, what did he announce, Steve, one more time? I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. I just love when you do that, man. They announced he's a Trumpocrat. Now Republicans love him. Willie Wilson's endorsing him. I mean, he's endorsing Willie. Willie is thanking him for the endorsement. He's giving speeches at fundraisers. Guys are such sap Democrats. You fall for this. You you let the Republicans write the playbook, and then you play it. So I hope he takes some money, D. I mean, who are Republicans to complain about Michael Joseph Madigan funding Democrats if they're embracing Rod Blagojevich? They don't believe any of it, voters. Republicans don't stand for anything. These are just tactics. So I hope he takes some money, D. I'm not sure based on the the Rich Miller story if he's taking the money or not, but I hope he takes it. Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. He says, well, hey, is the guy challenging Kilbride? Is he swearing off Ken Griffin money? Excellent point. And guy, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Will someone just give us some damn money? You and me, Ben, come on. All these campaigns. <laughs> I know. 500 bucks, guys. Come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> How about the Betty J show? Good Lord. You got money for everything in the world. Kenny G's got, hey, come on, Kenny G. Bygones be bygones. Just kick us a Hey, D, would we take Kenny G's money? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes. You know, I'd come on. You know, ladies and gentlemen, he's got a lot of good things, all right? Dude, let me shovel one of your long driveways or something, man. Come on, hook me up. But that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Democrats. Why am I a politicians? Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis, stop it now. You got to stop it, fellas. Okay. All right. From a local election update to one hell of a national election update. Ben, have you heard the latest ads from Kanye West? I was just drinking water when you said that. No, I did not. I didn't know. Did not. Have not. Our man, Steven, on the live stream chat. Can't thank you enough. He posted on the live stream chat. Goes, hey, have you guys talked about the Kanye West ads? I'm like, what the hell? Kanye West ads? I went online, looked. I got them. I got two ads here. Each of them are are a minute long. Let's do how we always do with these ads. I'll play one. You weigh in. I'll play the other. You weigh in again. Here we go. The latest ad. Well, two of the latest ads from 2020 presidential candidate and rapper Kanye West. Ad one. Maybe. What the hell? Oh, I got to turn the mute off. Mr. West wants the best for the American people. With the help from God, he will achieve this goal by winning the 2020 presidential election. 
I will be voting for Kanye West this year because America needs a leader who will actually listen to the kids. I'm voting for Kanye because I think this nation needs a strong leader with ideas, good ideas that can progress us, not liberal and conservative, but just like fact, and Kanye's that guy. I'm supporting Kanye West for president. As a young Christian, I'm proud that my vote is going towards a campaign that is faith-based and a candidate who cares about empowering the youth of America. I'm voting for Kanye West. When I think about my next president, I think about somebody who's going to help people, care about family, create jobs. These are things that Kanye West has already done. This is why I believe he will be our next president. I'm happy for Kanye. I'm voting for Kanye. Recently, I've casted my vote in favor of Mr. Kanye West. I support Kanye. I support Kanye West. Kanye West has my full support. My vote definitely goes for Kanye West. I am Kanye West, and I approve this message. There's one. Uh, what do you think, Ben? Uh, I, I, I got a, I have a bunch of questions. I have more questions than thought. Like, first of all, who paid for these? Were Republican operatives that paid for it? Uh, where are they airing? Did it say where they're airing? Frank said he saw uh, one of these on Twitter. Twitter. Okay, so it's not like one state or another. Uh, and I, I'm, I've lost track of which states he's on the ballot in. Uh, and also, I don't know, like, based on listening to the, I have, I'm at a disadvantage because I didn't see the people, you know what I mean, who's, who are saying these things. Youngsters. Uh, I, yeah, so I don't, you know, so I don't know, like, are these, would these people have voted for Trump or would they have voted for Biden? Are they even registered? Are they going to vote? I mean, it looks like a lot of first time voters, honestly. Yeah. So I, I, it, I mean, my uh, assumption all along is that uh, Kanye West's quote unquote campaign, I have it in quotes, is uh, propped up by the Republicans because the Republicans are working for the assumption that Kanye West will take more votes from Biden than they'll take from Trump. But I don't know if that's real. I don't know, uh, like anybody who votes for Kanye West, uh, would they have voted for? I, I don't know. So. Uh, but this is this is like more bizarreness in 2020. Is there another one to play, D? Oh, you bet your ass. Here we go. Uh, Ad yeah. number two from 2020 presidential candidate Kanye West. What is America's destiny? What is best for our nation, our people? What is just, true justice? We have to think about all these things together as a people to contemplate our future to live up to our dream, we must have vision. We as a people will revive our nation's commitment to faith, to what our constitution calls the free exercise of religion, including, of course, prayer. Through prayer, faith can be restored. We as a people are called to a greater purpose than ourselves. We are not only a beacon to the world, but we should be servants to each other, to encourage each other, to help each other, to lift up each other, our fellow Americans, that we may all prosper together. We have to act on faith with the sure knowledge that we are pursuing the right goals and doing the right things. We will build a stronger country by building stronger families. Families are the building blocks of society, of a nation. By turning to faith, we will be the kind of nation, the kind of people God intends us to be. Message. Ben, is that a tear in your eye? I, <laughs> Are you crying? Wait, 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 is, uh, 
Okay, again, I'm at a disadvantage because I can't see this commercial. So is that a while is that Kanye West himself speaking, giving that yes, speech? That's Kanye. And is he do you see him saying it? Yeah. And what's the backdrop? While it's on he's the American it? flag in the background. I see. Is he wearing a tie? No. Okay, well, he hasn't gone that far. That was like a string of just like uh the most vague, you know, platitudes in the world stitched together with corny music in the background. I'm a little disappointed in the musical quality of that. You know, you figure a professional musician would come up with them better. Anyway, folks, anybody who's persuaded to vote for Kanye West uh, on the basis of that commercial is probably not going to vote for uh, Joe Biden. I would just would just say that. That they probably were not going to vote at all, or they're going to go MAGA. But I just don't see. Uh, wow, I don't think that. I, I don't think the the Biden people have to worry about the Kanye vote. That's just me. D. All right, I'm just saying. I think I did see you crying there a little bit. But that was the latest <laughs> ad from Kanye West. Remember, everybody, follow us online at Benny J wow. Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. And give us a call, 708 658 4788. That number again, 708 658 4788 we're not gonna answer but you can leave us a voicemail and there's a good chance we will play that voicemail on the program all right i want to thank monroe anderson uh, for coming on as he does every wednesday i want to thank kanye west for uh dropping in to do those commercials just kidding uh and i want to thank the man the myth the legend the pride and joy of all illinois without whom the show would be possible the doctor the man that kanye west finally finally calls dr doobie Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. I'm a Trump crack. Trump crack, that's right. I'm a Trump crack. Trump crack, that's right. And over the course of this very tough year, we have been on the ropes, and a referee has started the 10 count a couple of times. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood, we have gotten back up, legs stronger.